Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Lovely to have your company. Wallace, we are with your texter who says he doesn't go out. The whole obsession with going out is highly overrated. Thank you, COVID. Happy to stay home, says Celia in Westport. Another one says, the worst thing about that waiting music is that it's so loud, it distorts really badly. As a musician, I find it physically painful. Uh, look, huge response regarding Venus Schnitzel. Someone says, pathetic show so far. My 94-year-old mother and I enjoy soft, succulent schnitzel each week. All you three shared only meaningless nonsense, says a Venus Schnitzel Aww. expert, Simon in Beachhaven. Wasn't intended. <laughs> Well, no, no. I thought your um, your your contribution earlier was very, very good, uh, particularly the Venus Schnitzel. But this is a really this is a real expert here, isn't it? Uh, the panel are in Z National. It's been bloody hard. The Prime Minister wasted no time recapping the challenges of the last two years as she announced much anticipated changes to COVID restrictions this morning. Here is some of what she said. In the pandemic so far, we have had more than 500,000 confirmed cases of COVID, almost all of which have been in the Omicron wave. There's no doubt that we are now feeling the full brunt of global headwinds, but our comparatively low debt, record low unemployment and record investments in infrastructure and skills development will all help support our recovery. But while we've been successful, it has also been bloody hard. I want to start by thanking New Zealanders for the enormous sacrifices they have made over the past two years. There have never been easy options. Everyone has had to give up something to make this work, and some more than others. Not everyone has agreed with the choices and trade-offs that have been made. But in amongst what have sometimes been different opinions, there has been at least one unifying factor. Everyone has been safer, but everyone is also tired. So. From 11.59pm Monday, 4 April, vaccine passes will no longer be required to be used as part of the COVID-19 protection framework. With us now is Dr Andrew Chen, Research Fellow with Koitu, the Centre for Informed Futures. Dr Chen, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Let's start with this. Come Saturday morning, you head out for a bowl latte, you don't need to scan in. What's your view on that? Yeah, it looks like uh, the need to scan in is over. Um, and that's kind of understandable, given that the locations of interest haven't been published since um, mid to late February. Uh, the exposure notifications that people may have been expecting to get as a result of scanning QR yeah. codes is driven by that location of interest system. Uh, so people haven't been getting notifications based on that for a while. Um, and while the case numbers remain really high, it's unlikely that we're going to you know, pick that system back up. Um, it does seem a bit of a shame that the Prime Minister did also say that businesses would no longer need to display a QR code. Um, you know, I think that that's taking a choice away from individuals who would still like to keep a record of where they've been. Um, so that if they get sick, they can go find the right people in the right well, place. Well, I'm just that thinking of that, Dr. Chen, because, you know, here I am looking at my uh, COVID scanning. It's it's actually, I've built up quite an historical diary uh, over the last few months. I can see everywhere, and I have been very good at scanning. Uh, and this has come second nature to so many of us now. Why stop? Mm. Yeah, it is something that I'm a little bit disappointed by. Um, I think that, you know, the Prime Minister alluded to in the future, we might be called to use these tools again. 
Um, and we all know that it's way harder to you know, stop doing something and then to pick up the habit again later on than to just keep doing it. Um, but you know, looking at the data, we've already seen 20% drop in QR code scans week on week um, over the last couple of weeks. Um, we're down from you know, two, uh, two to three million QR code scans a day, now down to less than a million. So a lot of people were already not doing it. Okay. Before I get to our panellists, uh, Andrew, what else stuck out for you in this announcement? Yeah, so in this announcement, there was no mention of Bluetooth tracing. Um, and that's a system that is actually working really well now. Um, we've got thousands of people being notified of potential uh, exposures through Bluetooth tracing every day now. Um, and that wasn't mentioned. And something I'm worried about is that people might hear, oh, I don't need to scan QR codes anymore. I'll, I'll uninstall or I'll delete the app. Um, and you know, really important that people don't do that if they've got Bluetooth tracing on, uh, because if they delete the app, then Bluetooth tracing also goes. Okay. Nalini? Um, hi, Dr. Chen. Um, uh, just looking at the point about the increasing the number of people um, inside from 100 to 200 um, and allowing more than that to congregate outside, my question is I really do not understand the logic in having your mask on when you arrive at a, at a restaurant, only being able to take it off when you leave. Um, sorry, only able to take it off when you're eating and then having to put it on before you leave. And yet I can be outside amongst a lot of people and not have my mask on at a at a party or at, a, at, at an event. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, kia ora. Um, I'm not an epidemiologist or an aerosols expert, so take what I say with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, but my understanding is that if you're outside, it's a well-ventilated space. And that means that the likelihood of a person accumulating enough COVID particles to you know, get sick um, is significantly lower. Uh, so being outside in a well-ventilated area is much safer than being inside. Um, there is a trade-off here, right? So the reason why that they had restrictions on the number of people who could be inside a restaurant or inside a venue is basically saying, you know, if somebody has COVID in this space, yeah, everyone's probably going to get it, but at least it's a smaller number of people. Um, so it's not a way to stop people from getting COVID. It's a way to mitigate the harm. David? So just, sorry. Oh, sorry, Nalini, keep going. Just, just further to that, how different is a school classroom environment and a restaurant? Yeah, I mean, there are huge concerns around what's happening with schools. And uh, for anyone who's interested, I'd definitely point them in the direction of Dr. Jen Russell and her excellent work and really trying to understand, you know, what are the risks here for our children? Um, and, and yeah, the, the things that the government and the Ministry of Education really should be doing to help protect them. Let's bring David Slacken. The context that I'm going to say, anything I say this afternoon, uh, that attaches to this is something that nature uh, that appeared on nature.com that I was reading earlier today that uh, points out that just because this Omicron has been tapering off and might give you the reassuring sense that the uh, evolution of the virus, coronavirus is kind of softening um, is kind of a false hope that in fact um, these severities rise and fall and we could have new variants that would be much more severe and and 
<laughs> what I'm describing is a scenario of plenty ahead yet potentially to worry about. And with, with that in mind, so I'm looking at all of these issues with that in mind and with what two things in particular that the, the Prime Minister and uh, Dr. Asha Viral said this, this morning, which were that they will be keeping the tools in the back pocket um, and that the, the elimination of this virus is not possible. And I say all of that to put into context what I'm going to say now um, about what Andrew was just saying, that um, you know it's better to keep going than to start again. I've got a feeling that people will readily use the QR codes, assuming they go back up, um, and, and assiduously scan if we have another wild severe variant coming through and another yeah. lockdown it, you know it may be here it may be not what but what i'm getting at is human nature yep. I've, i'm a little more confident <laughs> or um that, that people just get scared straight when things are bad we, that was what marked us out in those first few weeks when we did everything was unknown we were much more ready to follow instructions or you know the rules than we mm. became once 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 people had the sense that oh okay i don't think this is going to hurt me so i'm going to start making my own rules andrew much more to say on this i just want to bring one thing up though uh, i think dr susie wiles mentioned the point on rnz look safe to do things but who's it safe for many might say you know look it would be immunocompromised people people with disabilities under fives the farmer on the lowest incomes etc it is they that will be affected most by these changes. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely agree with her on that and that um, these changes are targeted at the majority, right? And um, there will be plenty of people who are on the margins who this policy will not work for um, and will probably put them at more risk if they try to live their lives in the same way that everyone else will. Um, unfortunately, it is pushing... You know, more responsibility onto the individuals to exercise their own caution and to exercise their own risk mitigation. Um, and, you know, we need to call on the government to provide more of the appropriate types of support for those people who won't be able to go back to life as normal um, as everybody else is hoping to be able to do. I think just also picking up on those comments before, I mean, two drivers that we know influence um, usage and participation in tools like inter-COVID tracing and QR codes um, scanning are uh, a perception of risk and perception of effectiveness. And I think the point that was made there was really around that risk, that people will participate and use these tools to protect themselves when um, they uh, you know, understand mm. that it's dangerous. But what we're seeing right now is that there is a loss in perception of effectiveness, that people think that the system isn't working, um, so they're not bothering to do it anymore, okay. even if the risk is still relatively high. Good on you. Thanks for being with us. Uh, as always, uh, Dr. Chen, thank you. That is uh, Andrew Chen, Research Fellow with COI2. Uh, I don't know, I'm going to sort of miss my uh, uh, scanning my little diary here. I'm just looking at it now. Gosh, I've been to a lot of places and uh, over the many months, and it's the end. Come uh, 11.59 Friday night to that, at least for now, at least. Health sentiment is moving from FOMO to IMPT, from fear of missing out to, I'm not paying that, Indicators include lower sales volumes, rising listings, as well as a sharp drop in auction clearance in Auckland. The bank has downgraded, ANZ has downgraded its health price outlook to a 10% decline this year from January's forecast of a 7% fall. With us uh, to talk about this is ANZ Chief Economist Sharon Zollner. Kia ora, Sharon. Kia ora. A 10% 
decline broadly in line with expectations? Um, yeah, I think I think we're all roughly on the same page. Uh, the Reserve Bank's last forecast in February had a five percent fall, but we think they'll probably increase their estimate of how much they're going to raise interest rates. So they'll be uh, revising their house price forecasts accordingly. Um, I would say, uh, but I would just say that a ten percent fall, while it's double digit technically mm-hmm. and sounds alarming, uh, it needs to be seen in the context of a forty percent run up since COVID hit. Okay. And so there wouldn't actually actually be very many people in the negative equity position um, insofar as it just increased so rapidly in recent Yeah, uh, That's why we'd actually characterise that as a soft landing. There'll be some in negative equity, but not so many, huh? Yeah, if we're right about 10%. But the, fair to say economists don't have a great track record of forecasting house prices in the last few years. <laughs> there will be a few... There, <laughs> there will be a few furrow browse... Uh, for those uh, for mortgage renewal, though, I mean, I'm just thinking personally, ours is coming up, what, April next month. Uh, all of a sudden, oh, you're looking at an extra couple of hundred bucks to find every fortnight. The squeeze, it's on. Mm. It, it is on, yeah. There's two elements to that. There's the cash flow squeeze you're talking about and the 7% CPI inflation, 7.4. We're mm. forecasting as part of that as well. The cost of living is rising so fast. Um, but we also, another really important channel is, of course, the, the house prices and the wealth impact of that. You know, we had a negative national income shock losing our tourism revenue, um, but we were running around like, you know, our syndicate won lotto because our house prices were going up. And though that's not a win for everyone, obviously, um, it, it does make those who are lucky enough to own a house feel uh, much more wealthy. So things like cars and other big ticket items did rather well as people sort of thought the house was buying it for them. Huh. David Slack. Yeah, I mean, it's Sorry? just so disappointing. <laughs> Sorry, Sharon. Um, the, no. It is so dispiriting for so many reasons. You know, the um, while this might be some small amelioration, you know, in, in terms of improving affordability, as uh, Sharon just said, you know, 40% since the uh, the pandemic it's it, it's just so frustrating i've i've come on here before and and laid out my my large you know uh, singapore style michael joseph savage on steroids plans I, i'll 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 offer it again if you want but you know the 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 pricey of that is i i don't see a, a way to fix this in a large way unless you get the state involved in a huge way that involves um overlooking the return that everybody else uh, seeks when they go into buying land Okay, stay there, Sharon. Let's bring Nalini in. Nalini, what's your thoughts or comments here? Yeah, hi, Sharon. Um, my thoughts is we will have a segment of the market that have got have recently purchased property um, and are really the last one in the queue to to now have a property that's reached the end of its um, increase in value. Yes, whenever whenever yeah. an asset price shifts, um, the, the last yeah. people in are always the most vulnerable. Yeah. Is is there? I remember is back this, the, oh, sorry, Nalini, you first. Sorry, is that is a drop in house prices going to make it any more affordable for the first time buyers to buy houses? I can't see that happening. Can you? Well, ten percent. Yeah, it knocks the top off, but it doesn't restore housing affordability uh, clearly. But one other sneaky mm-hmm. thing is going on, and that is, of course, this high inflation. While it's extremely painful for households trying to make ends meet. Uh, before they get the wage growth to kind of right the ship. 
um, it, it does actually provide a, a bit, it squeezes the wheels of a real price adjustment because in time, uh, once we get through this squeeze, uh, wages will adjust to the new price level that, that will just happen. Um, and then you've actually had, uh, and as long as house prices are, are flat to falling, you've actually got that back in terms of housing affordability. So it's a bit hard to explain, but we're forecasting house prices to fall 10%. We're also forecasting inflation to fall, to rise 7.5%. So in real terms, if house price, then we're looking at a 17.5% fall in real house prices. You get a bigger improvement in oh. house price to income ratio because of a bit of sneaky inflation. So inflation's not great at all, and the Reserve Bank needs to do something about it, but it does push the wheels of fixing relative price prices that have gotten completely out of whack, as I think most people would say house prices are. Oh, well, that's quite interesting information there, uh, Sharon. Just finally, uh, just look, uh, uh, just picking up on what Nalini said, if you have bought a house in the last few months, uh, you would have bought it at a peak. Um, they might be concerned about the equity. So what is the advice? Is it just to, what, stay put and service the mortgage? Is that, is that the advice? Yeah, basically, um, it's, it's only a paper loss until you realise it. Um, so basically, we're thinking that the economy can actually probably handle a 10% fall in house prices as long as um, the unemployment rate stays low. And that is our forecast because there's just so much excess demand for labour compared to what's available. I mean, that's partly a problem in so far as, for the Reserve Bank, at least, in so far as it ups the ante on a potential wage price spiral. But it's good news in so far as the economy can slow down quite a bit, we think, before the unemployment rate rises meaningfully. So as well as being good for those individuals, that does put a bit of a, of a floor under how far house prices might fall because it means not that many people would be put in a must-sell situation because that's when you can get the really uh, big move downwards in house prices. All right. Sharon, kia ora. That is uh, Sharon Zola, uh, the ANZ chief economist there. Uh, it is uh, 25 past four. You're on the panel with uh, Nalini Baruch and David Slack. Thank you very much for all your comments coming through. Regarding the uh, the information that came through today, the announcement, uh, let's just recap on some of that. If you just missed it, the traffic light system will be retained in part to deal with possible new variants. Uh, as David suggested, the country remains at the red light setting, which will be reviewed on the 4th of April. Uh, gathering limits indoors will be lifted from 100 to 200, with the rules on seating and separation to be retained. Outdoor face mask requirements will be removed. The scanning of QR codes will end. Businesses no, le- no longer need to display the code for scanning in. And the above changes, those changes I just said, will take effect on 11.59pm on Friday. Now, a thoughtful article on the BBC on timekeeping, and it mentions Grace Pacey, the author of Late, a timebender's guide to why we are late and how we can change, describes timekeepers who need to be on time and timebenders who don't like routine and don't like to be tied tightly to a time. But if time benders have a deadline, well, they can work really effectively. So I thought I'd go around the panel on this and ask, are you a time bender or a time keeper? Do you like to be on time, Nalini, or are you more a go-with-the-flow sort of person? I'm not a go-with-the-flow person, but at the same time, I find myself quite often in a situation when I'm not keeping to time. So... Um, oh. And often it's related to traffic. Um, it's traffic you know, related. We live in the country. You could um, there could be a head of, of of stock crossing the road, or you could get caught behind a very very large vehicle. You know, one of the B trains, and 
that can add a few minutes to your time. So um, I, I really would like to be a timekeeper, but I, I have to confess I'm quite often just marginally late. If I am at a cafe and someone comes at a quarter past, I get annoyed, David. I like absolute punctuality, five minutes on the other side. What about you? I don't expect it, but I deliver it. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that's because, which is to say, I will be there at five to uh, five to ten and they will turn up at quarter past ten and I won't be upset because I've got my phone to read. Um, but I, I don't know if it's because it's just my nature or because when you've got a surname like mine, you just try in all ways not to give people a reason to make that the tired jokes I about I never it. thought of that. <laughs> oh, mate, I've been living with it for six you, decades. You ha- so have I've heard you, them all. Have you really? David oh, Slack. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just the, the, it's the, not a hard joke to make. No. No, no. Very obvious, which is why we've made it here. Hello, everybody who get who um, has ever had me come a bit tight on a deadline. I know that, that that's a bit different. Can no, I just even, can I just no, even this is this is personal information. I hope you're not going to be sharing to the rest of the country, David, but this is interesting. Uh, I brought this up because when we used to do the panel from the studio, it was always you that would be fifteen minutes early. And there you, you go. were you were the only one who did. And I was just amazed. You'd always turn up glass water, sitting in the cafe ca- uh, the staff room, there you were. To be fair, part of the reason is because I don't trust Fuller's Ferry as, as far as I can push them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I, and in fact, I, I arrived late once for the panel because I relied on them to be on time, and of course they would, and so never again. Good on you. I'd uh, love to hear uh, our uh, listeners' thoughts on that. Do you uh, 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 hate lateness? Do you not mind going with the flow? Uh, if you're at a cafe what amount of time do you give someone? Do you give them five minutes? Do you give them 10 minutes? Or do you give them just a little bit after 10 minutes, say 12 minutes? Or do you actually, you know what, half an hour, uh, no worries. Meanwhile, Wiener Schnitzel rolling through. Reese says, as a junior reporter in the Wycliffe Times in the early 70s, we ate at the nearby Swiss chalet, which did a superb deep fried schnitzel. I can see it now. I can taste it now, says Reese. The Siberian Express of all places, has all meals crumbed. Chicken, beef, fish, with sauerkraut. Best to take some noodles with you. And another suggestion, if it's not veal, it's not Wiener Schnitzel, a good option is katsudon, Japanese pork cutlet. When done well at a good Japanese restaurant or also uh, in Korean restaurants, it is unbeatable. You're on the panel, uh, NZ National, Nalini Baruch and David Slack with me this afternoon. It is time for Headlines.